The Irish novelist Oscar Wilde wrote, I can resist everything except temptation. Temptation is something that we all have in common. All of us get tempted. We might not be tempted by the same things, but we do all face temptation. According to the Oxford Dictionary, temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. And anybody with any sort of a moral compass will have had the experience of trying to resist some temptation or other and failing. In fact, I've known many Christians who have felt that certain temptations are impossible to resist. But that can't be the case, because 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So all human beings face temptation. Christians are no exception. And how, despite how it might feel, it is possible to overcome temptation. And today we're going to find out how we can maximise our chances of resisting. I say maximise our chances because we won't be perfect this side of heaven. Uh, there will be times when we give in to temptation, when we entertain a certain thought or we say or we do something that we know to be wrong. But if we're taking our faith seriously, over the course of our lives, we will increasingly be able to resist temptation. In other words, we become better and better at resisting. And there are three uh, really important things that we can take away from this passage, helpful things uh, that uh, will help us in this area. Uh, So the first is that we need to know the enemy's tactics. We need to know the enemy's tactics. We need to know scripture the Bible. And we need to know that temptation is always time-limited. So Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, and then Luke tells us that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And this whole passage reminds us that it's okay to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. The question is, where do we go from there? Do we give in to temptation or do we resist it? The great reformer Martin Luther uh, wrote, you cannot keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And what we get from this passage is an expose on the devil. His tactics are revealed. Whenever you're facing an enemy, you need to understand their tactics. It's much easier to defend yourself when you know what's coming at you. That's why boxers and MMA fighters spend months studying their opponents before a fight. Uh, They want to know what they're up against, how best to defend themselves, how best to attack. And in a way, that's uh, what we're going to be doing this morning. And Luke makes it quite clear that it is the devil who is tempting Jesus. Now, when we talk about the devil, we're not talking uh, about a little red man with uh, horns and a tail and a pitchfork. That image is completely unbiblical. But we are talking about a personal agent of evil. It's important that we understand that the devil is a reality. We shouldn't take an unhealthy interest in him. Our focus is on Jesus, not the devil. But we need to know he's there And we need to be aware of his tactics. So the first thing we're told is that Jesus ate nothing 
during those 40 days. And at the end of them, he was hungry, uh, which is clearly a massive understatement. Now, human beings uh, can go 40 days without food. In certain situations or circumstances, they can go uh, a lot longer. In 1998, the British animal rights activist Barry Horn went 60 days uh, without food on hunger strike and survived. But 40 days without food is horrendous enough. You would be more than hungry at the end of that. And this is where the devil comes onto the scene. He tempts Jesus uh, when he's at his weakest and most vulnerable. And he employs that tactic against us too. It's much harder to resist temptation when we're tired or stressed, hungry, physically unwell or preoccupied uh, with the problems that life throws at us. This is one very good reason for getting a balance in life uh, and not working ourselves into the ground. But when we're reaching a low or a weak point, temptation comes with monotonous predictability. And so we can preempt it. Uh, We can say to ourselves, I know this is going to be a tough week. I know I'm going to be tired and stressed. I need to prepare for that. And then we pray. Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness praying. We read God's word, the Bible. We ask people to pray for us. And we come to church to be fed spiritually. And we ask... We ask God to fill us afresh with his Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. The devil attacks when we're at our weakest, but we can preempt that. The second thing is that the devil casts doubt. He says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, if, if. In other words, you might not be. And we're susceptible to doubt, aren't we? When Tissa and I are going on holiday, we're in a taxi on the way to the airport, uh, there are certain questions that Tissa will often ask, things like, have you remembered to lock the front door? Well, up until that point, I wasn't remotely concerned about the front door. But as soon as the question is posed, I begin to have doubts. Or she'll say, have you got the passports? I'll say, of course I've got the passports. And then start rummaging around trying to find them. We're very susceptible to doubt. And as we've seen, the devil casts doubts when we're at our most vulnerable. You know, when we're feeling guilty for something that we've thought or said or done. The devil will come in and say, if you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. And we can begin to doubt our standing with God. And believe me, nothing will cause us to fall away faster. The Holy Spirit will convict. The Holy Spirit will point out where we've gone wrong and nudge us towards repentance but the devil will cast God's doubt uh, cast doubt over God's love for us the devil will cast doubt over whether we can even continue in a relationship with God you know or, or, or when a close friend or a relative dies the devil says why did God allow that to happen why is he allowing you to go through all this pain and it's when we face these sorts of doubts that we must cling on to God's promises. The problem is very often we misunderstand God's promises. Uh, God doesn't promise us a pain-free life. He promises us a pain-free future. As Christians, we're not immune to failure, disappointment, betrayal, grief, pain, trials, and suffering. But we do have the sure hope of everlasting life, life beyond the grave in a world where those things are completely absent. So the next tactic, and this might sound rather obvious, uh, but the devil tempts us with things that are tempting. 
In the first instance, Jesus was tempted to turn stones into bread. Now, if you're the son of God, you're God, and you haven't eaten for 40 days, that must be quite a temptation. The thing is about temptation is it's tempting. And it's tempting because there's uh, some temporary pleasure or satisfaction to be found in it. There's seemingly something to be gained. I mean, I bet you've never been tempted to poke yourself in the eye with a sharp stick. Of course you haven't. There's nothing to be gained in that. But giving into temptation means falling into sin. And sin is the ultimate false economy. Uh, a friend of mine posted a photo on Facebook of someone looking extremely drunk. And underneath was a caption that read, uh, getting drunk is like borrowing happiness from tomorrow. And the same is true of all sin. There might be a high, but then there's an even bigger low. There might be a temporary gain, but it results in an even greater loss. But why shouldn't Jesus have turned stones into bread? I mean, given the circumstances, it doesn't sound unreasonable. I mean, we know he could have done it. I don't think anyone would argue that Jesus could turn water into wine, but he couldn't turn stones into bread. So why didn't he? Well, firstly, Jesus wasn't about to take his cue from the devil. Uh, You will never get a good idea from the devil. But more to the point, have you ever noticed that every single one of Jesus' miracles is for the benefit of someone else? Uh, Jesus' miracles are never for his own benefit. Jesus came to lead the most selfless life of anyone who's ever lived, a life that is 100% selfless. It wouldn't be a great start if his first miracle was a takeaway meal for one. And Jesus responds to the devil. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. In other words, our spiritual needs are far more important than our physical needs. You might say, yeah, but if you don't eat, you die. That's pretty important. Yes, it is important. But what would we prefer? To be well-fed for 90 years and then to be cut off from God forever? Or die of starvation, and then be with God forever in a renewed and restored creation. Fortunately, we don't face a choice that is as stark as that, Uh, but it makes the point that our spiritual needs supersede all our physical material needs. Next, the devil tempts Jesus with an easy option. Verses 5 to 7 say, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, that's a lie, and I can give it to anyone I want to, that's another lie. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Last week we saw that the cross was in view even at Jesus' baptism. Jesus knew that he would be crucified. And here the devil offers Jesus an easy option, the cushy option. The devil is effectively saying, you don't have to go through all that pain and suffering. You can have the world. Just do things my way. The devil is here attempting to subvert, to undermine God's great rescue plan for creation. So this thought of subduing the world with his power passed through Jesus' mind. Jesus was tempted with the easy option. You know, human beings are always looking for an easy option. Uh, We tend to take the path of least resistance. Bill Gates said, I choose a lazy person to do a hard job because I know a lazy person will find an easy way to do it. But all of us can be lazy at times. The devil will play on that. 
Say you haven't got time to read your Bible and pray. Look how busy you are, even though we've got two hours to spend on Facebook. Can you really be bothered to go to church? Aren't there better things that you could be doing with your time? And in general, people can be lazy and apathetic about matters of faith. Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Why do so many people enter through the wide gate? Answer, because it's easier. Finding the narrow gate takes effort. People can't be bothered with that. Uh, the majority are too busy with their careers or their home improvements or trying to make sure their uh, children outperform their peers in the classroom and on the sports field. Uh, they don't have time or the inclination to think about the first order questions of life. Why am I here? Is there a God? What does God want from me? Uh, most people can't be bothered with any of that. They're happy with a nice, comfortable uh, suburban life. But as Christians... We need to avoid taking the easy option. We don't want to enter in through the wide gate. But, you know, most of us are not tempted to commit some heinous crime. Most of us are not tempted to murder or commit an armed robbery. It's that we're tempted to a life of quiet apathy. The German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin and more about courageously and actively doing God's will. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing when he responds to the devil with these words. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So finally, the devil's last tactic. He quotes scripture and then twists it. Verses 9 to 11 say, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. The devil is quoting directly from Psalm 91, encouraging, to do Jesus, uh, encouraging Jesus to do something uh, that is just stupid. And, and Jesus comes back at him uh, with a verse. It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But we are tempted to do things that are rash. And it seems that Jesus on this occasion was as well. Remember that these were not just suggestions that the devil was making. These were temptations that Jesus was experiencing. And throughout history, people have twisted the Bible and used it as the basis for all manner of misguided, harmful, and downright evil endeavors. That is why it is so important that we know the Bible and we look at it as a whole. I don't know, about, I don't know whether you noticed, but Jesus responded to each of those temptations by quoting from Scripture. Each time he quoted from the book of Deuteronomy. God's word is described as the sword of the Spirit, and Jesus is using the sword, the word of God, to parry the blows of the enemy and resist temptation. And we need to use scripture in a similar way. A good knowledge of scripture will help us to understand right from wrong. It will help us to discern God's will for our lives. And it will equip us to resist temptation. But I think this is often uh, where we fall down as Christians. We're not 
committed to reading and understanding the Bible. I I was once shown around a a mosque in London near where I used to live, and I was taken aback. It was a large building, and the whole of the upstairs was dedicated to teaching the Quran. There were computer suites and classrooms and a library. And every day after school, the Muslim children in our area used to go to the madrasa and learn the Quran. They're not messing about. They are not messing about. They take their holy books seriously. And so should we as Christians take the Bible seriously, especially as it's an inspired word of God. So finally, verse 13. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. We see here that the, le- the, the, the devil left Jesus. He left him alone. And this reminds us that temptation is time limited. We don't spend every minute of every day being tempted. I mean, even if someone is addicted to heroin, the temptation is time limited. Once they go through cold turkey, the nature of the temptation changes. And when we're tempted, we need to remember that the temptation will pass. That doesn't mean we won't be tempted with the same thing again in the future, but temptation will pass. And the more we resist the particular temptation the more we'll be able to resist that temptation in the future. As it says in James 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. He will flee from you. So three things to help us to resist temptation. Firstly, know the devil's tactics. He attacks when we're weak. He casts doubts. He attempts, he, he tempts us with things that look appealing. He tempts us with an easy option. And he twists and perverts scripture. And if you want a more in-depth look at the devil's tactics, I really recommend a book uh, called The Screwtape Letters. It's by C.S. Lewis. Uh, Excellent book to read on this subject. Secondly, know the Bible. Read it. Study it. Become familiar with it. Above all, read it prayerfully in order to draw nearer to Jesus. We haven't talked so much about prayer today. Of course, prayer is vitally important if we're to uh, live our lives for God. Uh, doesn't come up explicitly in this passage. We're going to look at it as a separate subject on its own. And finally, know that temptation is time-limited and God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that every single one of us faces temptation daily. And sometimes we resist that temptation, and sometimes we don't. And we thank you uh, that your son Jesus sets us the perfect example by resisting temptation every time it came, in order that he might live a perfect life. We pray, Father, that over the course of our lives, we will more and more be able to bring our lives in line with your will. This is a, we, we know this is an ongoing process, but we pray that by your spirit, you will give us the, the motivation, the desire, the hunger for this. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.